just prayed that we will trust in you as you speak to us. Father, we ask simply that you would speak to us this morning. Help us as we make decisions to love you more. And may it be that we would leave this place all the more excited to make decisions that please you. Amen. Amen. Well, please do uh, grab a seat. Uh, It'll help you if you have the uh, pink handout in front of you. uh, And do grab that post-it. You're not going to need it just yet, but it will be explained to you later on. So please do uh, have a hold of that. Uh, We're going to be thinking this morning about how to make decisions. And actually, I made a bit of a cheeky decision, uh, and I've included an extra couple of verses from our 1 Thessalonians reading uh, that we're going to look at today. So I'm just going to ask you to turn up 1 Thessalonians 4 again, and I'm just going to read those last couple of verses. Sorry, I should have noticed on the handout. Uh, So we're going to read right the way to, uh, to the end of verse 12. So I'll just read verse 9 to verse 12. And it says this. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I want you to imagine for a second that I had here a time machine, okay? Uh, And this time machine will take you back five years. You can speak to yourself uh, over the the five years between then and now, and you can talk about the decisions you make, uh, what's going to happen as a result of them, give you the benefit of hindsight. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Being able to have somebody from the future tell you about how your decisions are going to work out in hindsight. Maybe you'd make different decisions. Perhaps you'd change what you'd do. I don't know. Hindsight, they say, is 2020, isn't it? And yet, as we make decisions here and now, we don't have the benefit of knowing how it's all going to work out, do we? Uh, we have to make them now without knowing how things are going to work out. It's tricky, isn't it? Making decisions uh, without the benefit of hindsight. This is one of the most scary things in the world. To my wife, it is a menu. uh, And uh, you can go to a restaurant with Rachel, and she will look at it. And she will say, oh, I like the idea of the chicken fillet. But actually, the fish looks really good as well. And what if I choose the chicken, and then somebody ordered the fish, and it comes past, and it's better? What if I have that regret that you get when you order the wrong thing at the restaurant? How do you make decisions? How I make decisions with one of these is I I look through it, I check that there's a burger on the menu, I check it's a proper burger, that it comes with bacon and cheese, uh, and then I order that. I'm impulsive. That's how I do it. How do you do it, though? How do you make decisions? Do you weigh up the options? Do you always go for the same thing? Maybe you agree with Doris Day. K, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not mine to see. I'll roll a dice and just go with that. Who knows? It's tricky, isn't it, making decisions? But what does the Bible say? How does God speak to us as we make decisions? Uh, Well, it's there in 1 Thessalonians 4. And we're just going to look at verse 1 and 2. 
It says, finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. There we go. Problem solved. What do we have to do? We have to please God. We follow the instructions. Great. Sorted. Sermon over. And yet, for some of you, as you read that, you'll be thinking, that's just piled the pressure on even more. Because it's not just about making uh, the right decisions, but it's about making decisions that are going to please God. How am I going to do that? I mean, it's, it's easy if the instructions are there, isn't it? If I ask, should I murder my brother? Well, The Bible's fairly clear on that one. But what if the question's, where should I live? Or or, or what should I do for a job? Or or how should I spend my money or or my free time? Or or how should I bring up my kids? Actually, there's not direct teaching that will tell me everything I want to know about that. So now I, I, I want to please God, but how do I do it? The pressure's on as I make these decisions. And yet I think, actually, this passage gives us a framework for making some brilliant uh, decisions. Uh, In fact, what's more, it tells you the very reason you exist. Did you notice it? It's it's there in verse 3. It's God's will for your life. Check it out. Don't don't just trust me. It says, verse 3, it is God's will that you should be, what? Sanctified. Uh, That you should be made holy, that you should be made more and more like Christ. That's God's will for your life. And that means that that as I make decisions, that actually all my decisions need to point towards that will to be holy. My best choice, if you like, is always holiness. Our best choice is, is always holiness. That's the, that's the kind of course that God wants our life to take. And so any and every decision needs to be made uh, with the question of what is going to work out for my holiness? My best choice is always holiness. And that's the big decisions, and it's also the small decisions. And that might mean that actually we don't do what everyone expects us to do. It might mean that we turn down something that might make us very, very comfortable because actually our best choice is always holiness. We're making a decision based on holiness, not just on comfort. Uh, and then in this passage, what Paul does is he, is he kind of hones in and he shows us uh, different ways that that's going to play out. Uh, and so, uh, if you like, we've got uh, three more steps by which we will see uh, a, a way of making a decision. Step one, my best choice is always holiness. What kind of holiness? Well, Paul tells us step two, uh, our personal holiness, first and foremost. Uh, Did he see in verse 3? It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. So so Paul uh, hones in on on, on this area of our sexuality, although it's true of all of our uh, our life, that God uh, longs for our personal holiness. Uh, But in honing in on our sex lives, uh, what God does uh, is he shows us a great area where the Bible's absolutely clear, but also where it's 
quite quiet on places where we would love some further guidance. So the Bible's absolutely clear that the place uh, for sex is within, uh, uh, within a married relationship between a man and a woman for life. And yet, maybe you're here and you're engaged. And you're thinking, actually, what should me and my fiancé be doing physically? Or, or perhaps you're here and you've been married for 30 years uh, and there's just uh, this bloke has started in the office uh, who, to be honest, you find a little bit attractive. And you're thinking, I, I want to welcome him, but, but how, how, how should I relate to him? Or maybe you're single and you've got Netflix, and on Netflix there's that program that everybody's raving about, but you know there are bits of it that, well, they're a little bit raunchy. What should you do? Well, the best choice is always holiness, our personal holiness. I'm not driven by my lusts. No, that's what people who don't know God do. No, I'm driven by holiness. I want to be holy. So the question is not, should I hold hands with my fiancé? Should I kiss my fiancé? But actually, what's going to work out for our holiness? What's going to make me and her more like Christ? Is it going to help us do that? Then great, go for it. What we're going to do as we uh, run through uh, this sermon is we're going to think uh, really practically about a practical decision that you might be making, okay? Uh, I'm going to assume that you are moving house uh, and you want to find a, a new house. Maybe you're renting, maybe you're buying, okay? Uh, and what we've got here is we've got uh, 15 different houses that you can choose from. Now, some of you are already thinking... Ben, I can tell you from the north, because 15 houses in London, that's never going to happen. Uh, but just, just trust me, bear with me. Um, but we've got 15 houses. These are all within your price range. Uh, they're all available. I know, it's amazing. Uh, and you've got option of any of these houses. Uh, and so what I want to do to start off with is I want to look at these, and I say, uh, I want to make the choice first and foremost for my holiness. My best choice is always holiness. And I'm going to think about my personal holiness. So let's say, for example, and I, I don't know you, this will be different for each of us. Uh, but let's say, for example, that in the past uh, you've had a, a struggle with gambling or, or, or alcohol, okay? Uh, and let's say that this, this house here, well, actually, it's right opposite a pub uh, or, um, or a betting shop, okay? So for you, you might say, if I live there, that's not going to help me with my personal holiness, I'm going to be tempted uh, to go there. Uh, and so you might say, well, I'm not going to live in that house. That house might be, by the way, the most beautiful house you've ever seen. It might be amazingly cheap. You can't believe it. In London? And yet, you'd say, well, actually, even though everything says this is a wonderful house, I need to make the choice not based on that, but on my holiness. Maybe, maybe it's not that. Perhaps, uh, actually, uh, this house here, uh, well, it's on a, on a road where there are loads of lovely cars. You know the kind of car that you've always longed for, but, but you've not bought because, actually, you know it would just be extravagant. And you know if you live there, you, you, might, not be, you might not actually buy that car, but you're going to resent your neighbors every time you see them driving past. Uh, and it might be a case of saying, well, for that reason, I'm not going to live there. Uh, maybe this one uh, is a house share, uh, and, you're, and you're renting, uh, and actually, uh, you know that if you live with that person, you have a great laugh, but the truth is uh, that you have a great laugh, and often, 
you do so ignoring who God is, ignoring his call on your life. And you know that actually your lifestyle when you're with them is sinful. It might be that you would rule out those houses uh, for those kinds of reasons. Uh, this one, well, this one uh, is a long way uh, away from church. And the truth is, you know uh, that you need to sleep in on a Sunday morning. Uh, and so if you get up after uh, 8 o'clock, then you're not going to be awake. Uh, and so the truth is that if you get this house, you're unlikely to get to church. And you say, well, okay, I- I'm not going to get in that house either. So we're narrowing down the options And we're asking, what's going to work for my personal holiness? But then Paul says, it's not just our personal holiness and purity. That's massively important. Uh, But there's more. It's about our corporate holiness. Did you see uh, verse 9? Now, about brotherly love, We don't need to write to you, Uh, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Uh, Here you've got the Thessalonian Christians, uh, and they are known for their love. They love people all throughout, not just their town, but but throughout the area. Uh, And Paul hears of it, and he goes, you guys are great at loving your brother. Carry on, do it more. Carry on, do it more. He says, uh, look, this, this is not about our personal holiness, uh, not just about our personal holiness, but about our corporate holiness. Uh, as I make decisions, therefore, uh, I'm asking what's not, not just what is going to make me more like Christ, but, but what's going to make St. John's more like Christ? Uh, how is it that I make decisions uh, that will help uh, the people around me to be more like Christ? So coming into the idea of, of houses, uh, that, might, that might mean that, that you look at this one and it's beautiful. It's, you know, it's going to be great for your holiness. Uh, but the truth is that actually it's, well, it's quite pricey. It's top end of your price range. You know if you go for that, actually your giving to church is going to go down. And you think, well, I could do that. I, I could reduce my giving. I'm, I'm already giving, I don't know, 20, 30%. Uh, I could reduce my giving. That's, that's okay. But... But actually, if I do that, is that going to be the best choice for our corporate holiness? Is it going to help my brothers and sisters? Well, maybe not. Uh, And if that's the case, then I say, well, I'm not going to have that house. Maybe uh, this one comes with a housemate uh, who who absolutely hates uh, you bringing people home. And you know uh, that if you go to that house, then you're never going to be able to have anyone from uh, church home for lunch. And that might be a reason why you'd say, well, actually, that's an important part of church, hanging out in community. Uh, And as a result, maybe that one is out. We're asking questions for uh, for how will will this decision help our corporate holiness? It it might be uh, that actually we, we, we look at this house and we think, if I go to that house... If I go to that house, it's got a, uh, a, a, I don't know, a residence association meeting on a Wednesday night. Uh, I know I won't be able to go to uh, my small group on Wednesdays if I do that. I won't be able to support and encourage them. Uh, and so this house I- is out. I'm making decisions uh, not just for my personal holiness, but for our holiness as a church. Interestingly enough, Can you imagine what people around you might say as you say, 
actually, you know what? I'm going to not take that house uh, because it's too far away from church, even though it's a beautiful house at a great price with a wonderful garden and a swimming pool. And you say, actually, no, I'm I'm not going to do it because I'm committed to my church family. Well, that leads us nicely on to the final uh, area, the step four, if you like, uh, that Paul takes us to as we begin to make decisions. Uh, And he says, um, it's not just about how that's viewed by our church and how it helps us, uh, but also about how it's viewed by outsiders. Did you notice that, verse 11 and verse 12? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, uh, to mind your own business and to work with your hands uh, just as we told you to so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You see, as we're making decisions, we're thinking through, uh, okay, yes, uh, my, my best choice is always holiness, my personal holiness, our corporate holiness, uh, but also how's that going to look before outsiders, before people who don't come here? It might be uh, that actually if I go for this house, well, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is by gazumping somebody. Somebody's put in a deposit. I'm going to put in a higher deposit. I'm going I'm to take that house. Uh, and actually, is that, is that showing them holiness that loves the neighbor as, as ourselves? Well, well, no, it doesn't. It, it, it could be uh, that... Um, that if I take this house, uh, it's going to be a crippling mortgage that's going to tie me in uh, for many, many years. And actually, the truth is, I may need to ask my uh, non-Christian family to help me out with the, with the money for it. Uh, in, in which case, I, I shouldn't be dependent on them. It might be that I say, well, no, that, that's, that's not going to work out. Or that if I come to this one, uh, well, there's a wonderful community that are going on, uh, that's going on in that area, uh, and, and it's great, and I could be a part of it, uh, but actually, um, f- for some reason, let's say you, because of your work, you know that y- you can't be a part of that community. You won't be able to live up to the expectations of the people who live around you. Uh, you're going to end up uh, letting them down. In which case you say, well, maybe that might not be the right house for me. All of this is incredibly subjective, but these are the questions that we're asking. What's going to work out for my personal holiness, for our corporate holiness, uh, and for holiness in front of outsiders, those who don't know uh, Jesus? Uh, And what you'll see is, look, I'm left with five houses that are here. It's great. Uh, So what I do is I pray about it. And I look at these, and I look at them positively as well. I might say, well, this one's closer to church. That's great. Uh, Well, maybe I should go with this one. But actually, this one's got a bigger kitchen, so I can entertain people from church better. Uh, Maybe I should go for this. And we pray about it. And God gives us a choice. And so I go along with my uh, my deposit for this one, and I find somebody else has bought it. And then I remember what it said in James, that actually uh, I don't plan my life. The Lord plans my life. And so I say, okay, well, I'll go with this one. And I end up living there. Uh, And that's great. It's a decision uh, that's been made. But there's a problem, isn't there? Because when we come to big decisions like that, we we think about them a lot. But but most of our decisions, we we don't actually make with our head. Uh, We make them with our gut. You know, nine out of ten decisions that you make, uh, you make without thinking about it. Just think about it. Um, Coming along today, did you think about the way in which you were getting to church? 
If this was your first time here, maybe. But for most of us, we just got the bus that we always get, or you turned left or right at the end of whatever road it was. You just went on autopilot, didn't you? You just do what kind of comes naturally to you. How much thought did you put into what socks you were going to wear today? You didn't. You just did what comes naturally to you. And the problem is that nine times out of ten, um, what I'll do is I'll just make decisions without thinking about it, and I will do what makes me most comfortable right there and then. Not because I'm actively uh, trying not to do this, but because that's what I do when I don't think things through. So how then, how then do I get to a point where the, my subconscious is making decisions that are for my holiness? The best choice is always holiness. How, how is my subconscious going to do that? Well, a few years ago, I am... Um, I, I really got into snowboarding in a big way. Uh, I liked to walk like a snowboarder, talk like a snowboarder. Uh, I liked to uh, be thought of as a snowboarder. Uh, and I actively uh, read as much as I could about snowboarding, watched all the videos. Uh, and nowadays, when you speak to me, occasionally you'll find that I will come out with a word like dude, or gnarly, or faceplant. Which I don't do. I don't do that kind of consciously. I do it because for so long I trained myself to love that kind of culture that I began to do it. J.C. Ryle, the archbishop, not the present, a past archbishop of Canterbury, once said this, holiness starts with Christ. Holiness starts with Christ. And did you see that's what Paul did in this letter as well? Verse 1, finally, brothers, as we instructed you how to live in order to please God, in fact, uh, as in fact you are living, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For we know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. You see, if you're looking for somebody who made decisions that please God, uh, look no further than the Lord Jesus. Do you remember his baptism? Uh, there he was. He gets uh, dunked under the water. Up he comes. Down comes the spirit like a dove. Uh, and then the father speaks. And he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Here is somebody who made decisions that pleased God. Here is somebody whose every decision was made for his holiness. And the crazy thing, what did he do with that holiness? The very holiness of God himself. Well, on the cross, he, on the cross, he gave me, that holiness, that right standing with God, so that, that God the Father would look at you or at me, and if we trust in Jesus, that God the Father would say of us, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. He gave me that holiness, and the challenge of this passage, well, it's simply this, will our decisions reflect what God has already made us? Will our decisions reflect what God has already made us? Our best choice is always holiness. Uh, and so, uh, what do I need to do? I need to, I need to get to know that Jesus more and more. I need to study his holiness. I need to spend time with him each day. I need to look at him. I want to desire him so much uh, that actually, as I'm making those snap decisions, I'm asking, I want to be like my Savior. I want to be more like Jesus. I long to be like him. Let me tell you about a guy who... Uh, he got this. 
His name's Mark. Uh, I've got a, a slightly granulated picture of him. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He sells cars, uh, and he, he was known as a Christian uh, car salesman. Uh, and people loved him because he sold good cars, Mitsubishis, uh, and, and, they would, uh, and when he said he'd do something, uh, he did it. People went to buy cars from Mark, and things were going very well. I bought my first car from him, actually. It was great. Little Mitsubishi cult. And um, then... Then Mitsubishi turned around to Mark, and they said, if you want to carry on selling Mitsubishi cars, you need to be open seven days a week. You cannot close. You've got to be open seven days a week. And for Mark, that was an issue. It would have meant he couldn't get to church. It would have meant he couldn't invite his colleagues to church. It would have meant that even when he did get to church, that he would have been thinking about his business. And so he was faced with the choice, Uh, career suicide, give up selling Mitsubishi cars to a faithful group of clients, or make sure that he was able to get to church every Sunday. What would you do, career suicide or your faith? Well, Mark longed to be like his savior. He stopped selling Mitsubishis. He said, "I I can't do it. Now, actually, God's been very good to Mark. He's now selling uh, Skodas and Lexuses and all sorts, which is great. We've got our current car from him, which is very nice. But let me tell you what hasn't happened. Mark hasn't stopped going to church on a Sunday. Uh, He hasn't uh, said to his colleagues, I want you to work when I'm at church. He's not sat uh, where you're sat, listening to a sermon, wondering whether that deal's gone through or not. And most importantly, he hasn't written to every one of his clients and said, I value my business more than my Lord. His best choice was holiness. His best choice was holiness. What about us? Well, I wonder, coming out of, uh, out of this sermon, uh, what that might look like for us. Uh, on your way in, you'd have been given a post-it note. I'd like you to take that post-it note now. And I'd like you to take your pen. Don't write anything yet. What I'd love you to do with that is is one of three things. Uh, Maybe there's an area of your life where you know you're currently making decisions, uh, not for your holiness, uh, but for some other reason. You're making bad decisions. If that's you, then in a minute, I want you to write on that piece of paper, my best choice is always holiness. And then I want you to stick it up wherever it is you're making bad decisions, by your bed, by your telephone, on your wallet, uh, in in work, in your booth at work, by the car, above the kids' school clothes. I don't know. You know. Maybe, um, Maybe that's not you. Maybe actually what you need to do is you need to start reviewing some of the decisions you've made. And asking, uh, is this in practice what I'm doing? I, I think I'm doing okay at this. If that's you, then in a moment, I want you to write down bank statement. Uh, and what I'd love you to do with that this week is, uh, is to go home to print off a bank statement. Every time you pay for something, you, you make a decision, don't you? Uh, so I'd love you to go home, print off a, a bank statement, uh, and then run those decisions. Uh, run the, the, the things that you've purchased through the grid that we've looked at. Did it it work out for my personal holiness? Uh, Was that for our corporate holiness? Uh, Was that good for my holiness in front of outsiders? Ask those questions. 
Maybe, again, that's not you, but maybe you've got a, a question that you're dealing with at the moment, a big decision that you'd long to make. And if that's you, I'd like you to write down small group. Uh, and, and what I'd love you to do uh, is I'd love you to email your small group about that decision. Small group from Wednesday night. If you're not in one, come along on Wednesday, get in one, and then email them. Uh, and and I'd, love you, uh, I'd love you to email that small group and ask, uh, and ask them to help you to make this decision for your holiness, for the holiness of St. John's, and for the holiness in front of outsiders. I'm going to give you 30 seconds now, and I'd like you to write down on that piece of paper either my best choice is holiness, or bank statement, uh, or small group. Don't show other people. Just write it down. Hold it into your service sheet or somewhere you'll take it home. I'm just going to pray for that God will help us as we do that. Father, thank you so much uh, that you're a God who speaks to us. Thank you for speaking to us uh, about making decisions for our holiness. I pray that right now as we're writing this down, would it be that you would challenge us? Would it maybe one of those things, maybe something completely different, that you want us to write down on this piece of paper to do as a result of hearing you speak this morning? Amen. At the start, I asked you to imagine I had a time machine here that would take us back five years. Uh, and I want you to imagine you got in it and you went forward five years. Uh, over those five years, what happened was you, you slowly, you slowly uh, made a great career progression up the ladder. You got a job uh, and it was paying the bills and more. You were in a place uh, where you were actually away on business most weeks. Of course, that meant that you weren't able to get along to Wednesday night small groups. And actually, what began to happen was that your weekends, they got more and more important to spend time with the kids, you know? It's important to spend time with the kids. Uh, and so what you'd do is you'd start taking them away at the weekends. And, uh, and so actually, as you, as you look back, well, you hadn't been to church all that much over the last five years, less, less and less so. Your finances, well, you're doing really well, but actually uh, that direct debit to church, well, it, it kind of stuck around for a few years, uh, and then after a while it kind of petered off as some other important financial decision was needed to be made. In fact, uh, a friend of yours asked you last week whether you were a Christian, and, and you hesitated what to answer because you knew that, well, it was going to be awkward if you said that you believed that stuff quiet times, well, you don't spend time with the Lord. In fact, to be honest, if you're really honest, perhaps it would be deceptive to call yourself a Christian. If that's how you'd like the next five years to pan out, uh, please, whatever you do, uh, take that post-it note, screw it up, and do nothing with it. Uh, and make sure that you don't do anything with what you hear from the front here. But imagine, uh, imagine with me for a moment that we take these post-it notes away. Uh, imagine that, that we as a church begun to, uh, begun to desire Christ so much that in the decisions we made, uh, we longed to be more like him. Uh, imagine the effect on your family, uh, on your friends, uh, on your kids, uh, on your parents as they see you making decisions that again and again say, that would be lovely, but this is better for my holiness. Uh, imagine the difference it would make to our church uh, as we began to say of our free time, how can I better use it to serve uh, the others here, to make them more holy? 
What would happen to the gaps in our children's rotors? What would happen to our financial deficit at the end of the year? What would happen to those things? Imagine if in five years we were a church that longed to do this. Imagine the difference that would make to well, the people living in all of these houses around us very few of whom come here on a Sunday, as they see a group of people who not only come in here each week, but go out there longing in every way that the interactions that we have, the decisions we make, speak of our love for Christ. Can you imagine the difference that that would make? Well, a great first start is to take that post-it note and do what it says this week. Why? Because God has made us holy in Christ. Let's make our decisions honor what he has made us. Because our best choice is always holiness. To the glory of God. Amen.